Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Within Ourselves podcast. I have a very exciting episode today. I'm joined by Blaine Foos and he is the CEO and founder of Foos Creative, which is a brand development agency and videography business that he launched back in January 2020. So Blaine currently lives in Los Angeles, California, but is originally from my home state of Indiana. And on today's episode, we dive into Blaine's entrepreneurial journey, which started at the age of 14 and has since led him on a path of self-discovery and finding his purpose and also working with brands like Adidas and Movement Watches and working with musicians such as Marshmello. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode today. Blaine, thank you for sharing your story and so, so inspiring. So can't wait for you guys to listen. The podcast that I started is called um, Within Ourselves. And so my vision for where the podcast is going is kind of being able to use my like journalism background and share people's stories sharing what's in themselves as cheesy as that sounds so sure. really anything goes like i had a psychic medium on one of my past episodes so that was like pretty interesting um so you know i just want to like interview you know anyone that has an interesting story and then my dad was like you have to interview blaine like he has this crazy story of how he just like went for it like he said that you went out to LA or something like on a whim so I guess like I'm curious to hear about that like how did you find this passion for videography and you know where did where did it all begin yeah yeah no I mean um so like basically I'll give you what I can do is I can like tell you my whole story of which he's like referring to um yeah and then I think that'll answer like a lot of the questions and then afterwards uh i'd love to kind of like dive into like any questions that kind of come out of it because typically once i start this story it's like a 30 minute it could be an hour uh i have time (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so yeah i'll kind of um give you a little backstory on me and then we can kind of go from there but basically um like i grew up in southern indiana and it was always important to me that i wasn't categorizable i never wanted people to be able to look at me and say, oh, he's the skater or he's the soccer player or he's the athlete or he's the academically inclined individual. Like, I didn't want to fit into any box, right? And that was always something that drove me at a really young age. Even though I didn't, maybe I couldn't define it in words, that was my natural response was to be different. And you know, as a result, where I grew up, everyone wore blue jeans. So I was like, well, what's the opposite of blue jeans? And I was like, oh, black skinny jeans right so i wore that who everyone had long hair or short hair so i had long hair and the town that i grew up in they predominantly played basketball and so in my head i'm like what was the opposite of basketball and it was soccer and so that's where i decided not because i even enjoyed it but just because it was what no one was doing that i was going to play soccer and as a result i always like to say whenever you make decisions that clearly go against the grain of everyone around you, right? It's that classic like swimming up a river type of visual. You're going to create friction, right? People are are going to push back and chances are they're not going to like you. 
And for me, you know, at a young age, I experienced that in the form that I really didn't have any friends. Um, I had two friends, they were my neighbors, but for the most point or for the most, for, yeah, for the most, I was just like an outcast. And I remember one recess, I was in first grade and I was playing by myself and, um, I was kicking a basketball against the sidewalk curb because, uh, like no one would play with me. And, uh, I remember the best basketball players, like they came over and they started bullying me and, uh, they pushed me down. And they looked over at me and when they were like hovering above me, like the one thing, they said this phrase that seems so little, um, like thinking at it, but in the moment it echoed in my mind for years. And the best basketball player looked at me, I was in first grade and he said, you'll never be good enough to make a team. And I remember being, again, like I think it's like eight or nine. And that was the first moment that I had been told that I wasn't good enough, you know, and as no, you can agree with this but when you have good parents or good guardians in your life they have this natural way of instilling in you the possibility that you can do anything like you want to be an astronaut you can do it you want to be an archaeologist you can do it you want to be an athlete you can do it um, there's no dream out of reach within you know appropriate supervision and and so for me at a young age i'd been told i could do anything and this is the first moment in my life that someone said like you're not good enough and I remember going home um, in small Southern Indiana to our house and I was angry. And in my heart, I had decided that I was gonna do whatever it took to prove these guys wrong, right? Prove everyone wrong in my mind. And so I started training at a really young age to be the best soccer player that I could be in my head. And so we didn't have a soccer goal. I had a frame, no net, and I would take free kicks after free kicks and I trained and I would run and work out. And um, anyway, fast forward, I made a travel team and then another team and then another team. And then years later, um, you know, I met Sean in the Olympic Development Program. And it was actually when I reached the Olympic Development Program that it was a, like a light bulb moment for me because I was like, man, like I made, I, like, I made a team, right? And if at any point in my career that like soccer career journey that I should have felt the most fulfilled or the most complete uh, should have been that moment. And I remember like getting to that level and feeling this emptiness. And what I realized for the first time in my life was that I did not know why I was created. Like I didn't know my purpose. I didn't know why I was here. Um, and so I started searching for that and reflecting on that to be like, you know, why are you here? Like, what is the purpose of your life? And ultimately like what I settled on was that like my purpose is to be a light and I think truthfully that that's everyone's purpose like everyone's purpose inherently is to be a light um, another way to say that is to be like a reflection of love the question is not what's your purpose but the question rather is like what's your platform like where can you be light to the most people humanly possible for you in your story throughout your lifetime? And so at a really young age, I realized that my purpose was to be a light. And soccer at the time was the platform that allowed me to reach the most people. But in my heart, I knew there was going to be a bigger platform that would allow me to reach more people. I just didn't know what that was. And around that age, GoPro came out. And I remember stumbling upon GoPro and I was like, wow, I am in awe of GoPro's mission statement. 
And what their mission statement was at the time was that everyone deserves to be a hero. Everyone deserves to go pro. And I was like, wow, like that is so beautiful, right? Like that no matter what you do, no matter what your skill set, no matter where you're from, who you are, your life deserves to be captured at the highest regard. And so at a really young age, I decided I want to work for GoPro. Like that was what I kind of established was going to be the next platform in my my life. And the requirements to work at GoPro and be the head of content was a bachelor degree in graphic design and seven years experience in video. And so for a young kid, and I'm still in high school at this point, I was like, man, I don't want to finish like middle school, high school go to college and then get spend seven years for a filmmaking team to get the experience necessary to walk into GoPro. And that job may not even be there at that point, right? So that was something that for me, I was like, man, I just want to be like cautious of it, right? And and so anyway, um, I decided at a young age to start my own video business. And even though I was still playing soccer, um, I was preparing for the next platform, which was hopefully GoPro, right? And um, anyway, to kind of bridge the gap of where the transition happened, um, when I was 16, um, I started the video business at 14. And um, wow, that's so young. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the reason I started at 14 was because if I started it then and then you know got to that that level, then you know I would cross over and it the requirements I would have. Uh, so anyway, I started at 14. Um, I didn't have money for uh, the drone because I had just bought my first car. And uh, growing up in Southern Indiana, like every all my like neighborhood uh, community is basically Amish. And so like, I don't know if you know much about Amish, but in eighth grade, they typically drop out of school and they work full time. So it wasn't you know uncommon for young kids to be having jobs at a very young age. And so anyway, I worked um, and at 14, I started the video business. I went to my grandpa and I was like, hey, I need a loan because I found this company in China called Daje Ing, which is now referred to as DJI. And I was like there creating recreational drones. And I think I could use drone video um, to start a video business. And so anyway, um, at that time, Google Maps wasn't a thing. And farmers in Southern Indiana wanted to have basically aerial coverage of their property. And so airplane pilots would fly over their land, take a photo of their property, go to the front door and say, hey, for 350 bucks, um, here's a photo of your farm. And, you know, they would love it. They would eat that up. And so my idea was, why don't we just do video and photo, give them more and for less? And so anyway... Um, the creative geniuses that we were, me and my grandpa sat down. He gave me a loan uh, for $2,000 to buy my first drone. I duct taped uh, my first ever GoPro to it. So it was a DJI first edition, GoPro first edition, and I duct taped them together. And um, I remember we were sitting in his office and we we're like, well, what are we going to call this? And the similarities that we both shared were our last name, right? Foos. It was the common denominator. And we we're like, well, what are we going to make video? And so we decided Foos Video uh, would be the name, right? So creative. And um, and so anyway, we went out, started doing video. That year, um, I made four grand at 14. And I remember at 15, if I was going to take it to where I thought I could, I needed to do it by myself. And so I paid my grandpa back the loan. And then at 15, I set out to do it myself. 
Um, what I didn't realize is that he was bringing in the clientele. And so that year I did two grand in revenue and I was like, oh no. Like if you look at it from the grand scheme of things. Yeah. He needed your grandpa's connections. <laughs> yeah. He was, yeah. He was the sales rep. And so I went from four grand to two grand. And so at 16 in my head, I'm like, oh man, like I'm going to zero, right? Uh, with that trajectory in mind. And, um, you know, it's so interesting because that year when I was 16 was really the year that everything changed for me. Um, a construction company had reached out and they were like, hey, is this Blaine with Foose Video? And I was like, yes, it is. Like, How can we help you today, sir? And um, they're like, hey, like, we want to send you to Arkansas, Missouri, and Tennessee to do a drone video. Um, how much would you charge us? And uh, as naive as I could imagine, I was like, are you guys paying for travel? And they're like, of course. And I was like, oh, of course. Other guys paying for food, and they're like, obviously, and I'm like, obviously, and I was like, like hotel, and they're like, yeah, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and so I was like, well, in my head, I had never had a video last more than a day, um, so I thought I would charge two hundred dollars a day, and so six hundred dollars for the project, but they, you know, they were quiet, and um, and then my approach, I suggested, hey, I instead of doing it for six hundred dollars, I'll do it for two hundred because you're paying for everything. And they said, Wait, 200? <laughs> yeah. And so they sat back and they, they thought about it and they come back and they go, hey, Blaine, um, you know, we were wondering if there's any way you would be willing to do it for 2000. And I was like, what? And that was, that was a really cool moment for me in my life because unlike when I was eight and I was told I wasn't good enough, um, fast forward eight years later when I was 16, that was the first moment in my life that someone outside of my family instilled value in me that I didn't know was there. And, you know, that's like a huge chapter marker in my life that I've even used to kind of implement into others' lives that have come in contact with us and our business and the way we approach things to really just understand that some people don't know their value. And it may be your responsibility to instill the value within them that is visible, but maybe just for them not understood. And, and so that's like a really big um, just burden that I tried to just take on because I know the impact that that moment had in my life. And if I can simply sew into someone else in the simplest of forms, you know, you think your rate's 200 and we pay you three or we have budgeted a thousand and you say my, my, my worth is 200. Like, can you take what is being proposed and, and double it, triple it? even though it's not asked. And and so that was a, a huge moment for me because that moment changed the trajectory of my life where I actually had shifted the mindset that soccer for up until that point had been the platform that I was committed to that allowed me to reach the most people and be a light to everyone that I could. But the moment that that happened, I felt like it was almost, I thought it was almost basically a sign to say, hey, like I need you to shift your efforts that you were implementing into soccer now into video because video has now become the platform that I need you to step into and that I need you to work within. And so anyway, the same hard work and effort I put into soccer, I'd shifted into video at 16. And the mindset was, I'm going to be the best videographer editor that I can possibly be in order to reach the people that are placed in front of me. And, and so anyway, um, we went out and I, I did that video and um, we posted on Facebook um, for $2,000. Uh, a couple of weeks later, I get a message from someone in Arizona 
that wants a video and I do that for $2,000. Uh, someone uh, later on, a couple weeks later in uh, California season, I fly to California for $2,000. I post that video on Facebook. Someone in Hawaii sees it. I fly to Hawaii for $2,000. At the end of that year, um, I did just shy of 40K. So I made 30 grand, 39 grand um, at 16. And oh, whatever. That's crazy. And you got to travel to all those places too. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it, and it, it's always weird looking back because I don't, I even now, like it's just so wild to, you know, feel like that happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's like, I think even like, you know, a message within that story and those moments are like, there's so much, so many times where we have uncertainty of like where to go, what to do, or what steps to take. And really, we seek guidance, but what we really need more than guidance is just courage uh, individually to like step out into things that you don't know, uh, step into worlds that you're unfamiliar with, and take chances that, you know, really others aren't even considering things that would be moments that they should step into. Um, you know, cause that, that was a huge part and, and a common theme throughout the story that is my life is just like, you don't need to know the, the nuances or the details to be obedient to, to your purpose, right? Like I didn't need to know what year 2018 would look like or year 2023 would look like. I just had a moment in front of me that was a challenge to be obedient. And that's always been my constant, I guess, you know, North Star in a sense to be like, is this aligning with my purpose? And if so, like step into that. And I think too many people nowadays, A, don't know their purpose. I think that's like the biggest problem humanity faces is an identity crisis. And then um, on top of that, you know, I think the second bit is, you know, people just don't want to step into their calling. And, you know, a lot of times they let the world around them kind of pause what their dreams could be because of the voices that are telling them like this is unknown and this is not clear um but you don't need details to to step into that is you know what i've come to find at 16 once all that happened i i realized that i could make this a business and so i hired on my two uh, best friends older brothers and started to grow the team and then you know fast forward from 16 to the time i went to college um, you know, the company and the team had grown to about 20 guys. And at that point, it was wedding video, construction video, really commercials um, in a sense. But everything was going, you know, really well. And, you know, the cool part uh, about my story that was unfolding was happening in a way that I didn't didn't even see, really wasn't even aware of, to be honest with you. Um, I remember I was at Franklin College. I was going into my junior year. And I always like to preface and say at that time, like my life was perfect. Um, I had a girlfriend in Indiana, my family's in Indiana, my business, it was as successful as it had ever been to that point. Um, I loved Indiana. Like I, even though I look very Los Angeles, West Coast, <laughs> um, I'm an Indiana at heart type of guy. You know, farm is in my DNA. I grew up on a farm had a, you know, meat locker. My dad did. My grandpa had, you know, corn and bean farms, you know, tracked it. It was my, that was who I was. I loved it. And anyway, going into my junior year at Franklin College, um, my life was perfect. And on October 16th, uh, I remember walking into my dorm room and just with complete 
clarity and feeling overwhelmed, I felt like I was supposed to leave everything and move to Los Angeles. And I didn't want to do it. Like that was like not a desire that had ever been placed on my heart. And so I cried. I was just crying. And I remember grabbing my journal and writing October 16th, like move to LA. And in my head, I was like, I'm just going to try to forget about this and, um, you know, just ignore it. And a couple months later, uh, it's my birthday. So my birthday is the day before New Year's Eve. And um, anyway, I was down home in my hometown and I was with a lot of my high school buddies and they were wanting to celebrate me. And I had never drank alcohol um, ever in middle school, not once in high school, didn't do it in college. Um, And the reason was is because I, once I realized that my purpose was to be a light, I only made decisions that revolved around that. And so, and I was very strong-minded in that. So I would never do anything that did not align with being a light to someone or in some way, you know, uh, disqualified me or limited me from being the best version of myself. Remember, you know, I was down at my birthday party and my boys wanted to drink and like celebrate me. And we were at um, my buddy's house and we were on our way back from dinner. And I don't know if you know this watch company called Movement and VMT. Yeah, I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Movement had posted on Instagram that they needed a filmmaker for their New Year's Eve party. And I messaged them back and they had several hundreds of thousands, if not, I think, a million followers. And I didn't really expect a response. Um, and I said, hey, if I was in L.A., I would totally love to help you guys out. Wait, was this New Year's Day that you sent that or New Year's Eve, I mean? Yeah, it was the day before New Year's Eve. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the night. So like New Year's Eve would be tomorrow, right? Gotcha. <laughs> and, and so I messaged them and it's 11 o'clock at night, the day before New Year's Eve, right? PM. And I was like, hey, if I was in LA, we would totally love to help you. And they're like, oh, they responded. And they're like, oh, that's too bad. We love your work. And I was like, what did you guys mean you love my work? Like I do like wedding and construction videos. Like I do nothing sexy or appealing uh to the creative mind and um anyway i thought about it and um i was in i remember my boys were in the basement i was in the the kitchen with my buddy's mom and i was telling her the situation and she said well what are you thinking and you know like i've said previously the way i make decisions is as simple as asking myself do i think i can be a light more here or more there right? Do I think I can be a light doing this or doing that? And at that moment, the challenge that I was faced with was, do I think I can be a light more to my high school classmates in the basement? Or do I think I can be a light to someone in LA? And ultimately, you know, I just never wanted to, to, I just never wanted to miss a moment that I was created to be a part of. And so I messaged them back and I said, hey guys, I totally forgot, uh, but I'll be in LA tomorrow. And they're like, great, we'll see you in Venice at three. And I opened my laptop. Oh my and, yeah. And I was three I, I was three hours away from the New York airport. And um, I booked the flight. It was a $2,000 flight. And so over you, I, yeah, I paid 2000 to do a free video. Like this wasn't a paid video. This was a free party recap video. And out there, I did the video. I filmed it from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. Um, from 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. I edited it and then I had to be back at Franklin for a meeting uh, that day. And so I hopped back to uh, the airport at 8 a.m. and I typed an email to the movement guys. I said, hey, 
you know, it was so great meeting you. Maybe we'll meet again playing, right? I didn't network. I didn't say, you know, here's some of my other things or, hey, I'd love to do some work with you. I just did what I felt like I was being called to do. And then I returned to where I was supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. And that is not often the case for most in today's world. Um, They want to go for an ulterior motive so that they are seen or that they're heard or that they made a foot in the door to get somewhere that they think they need to go. And I think like a challenge that I inc- I challenge myself to and I encourage others to take on is, you know, can you go to the place that you feel like you're called to go and do what you're called to do, but leave like no footsteps behind, right? Like just do what you are called to do, impact who you're called to impact, but with no ulterior motive of I need to be seen or heard, just do what you're supposed to do there and, and return to where you're supposed to be. Because where you do work is maybe not where you're supposed to be. And Anyway, so I went, sent them an email, and um, that next day they posted it on Instagram. And shortly after it was up, I got a message, and um, it was through you know a good friend of mine now, and he was you know asking if I would be willing to do some videos for him um, and his team, and his team was uh, Marshmallow's team, and so I started working with Marshmallow, and he's also a Fujifilm ambassador, and so I started working with Fujifilm North America. And then he was also friends um, with Adidas and their team. And so I started working with Adidas um, all throughout that phone call. A couple minutes goes by, I get a message from um, a, a good buddy named Matt, uh, Matt Como, and he was the head of content at GoPro at the time. And he reached out and said, hey, Blaine, I saw your video. I heard your story about how you left your birthday party uh, to come do this free video. What's your schedule look like the next couple months? I'm in college. I'm at Franklin, uh, going into my junior year during J term. Yeah, and, uh, perfect timing. <laughs> yeah, well, I told him I was like, I have no plans. Then I'm free. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up dropping out um, of Franklin, and I went on tour with Coma. We went around the world. Uh, we went started in New York, uh, made our way to South America. From South America, went to Europe. From Europe, we made our way uh, to Asia. And over the course of three months, right? And so we went all the way around the world and then we ended up in Los Angeles. And when we landed in Los Angeles, that was the first time that I had been in LA for more than 20 hours, right? And he asked, you know, what's your game plan? Like, what like, what are you thinking? And I was like, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't have a game plan. Like, I have no game plan. And he's like, well, do you want to move in with me? And I was like, sure. And so anyway, I moved in with him and um point of all of this is that that week when i was that first week that i was in la i got a message from a girl and as a creative we get those because if people are even mildly attractive they want free content of some sort and so i'm never the one to respond but um this one was different for some reason and I, you know, responded to her and she wanted to do a photo shoot in Malibu. And so we went up to Malibu and we did a photo shoot and everything about that day was, you know, very normal. Um, but we come back and this is the first time I've ever met this girl. And we get back and we're in her car um, and I'm about to get out. And as I'm about to get out, she just starts crying. And I was like, you know, what is going on? Like I'm just sitting there. Yeah. And um, anyway, she begins to explain how like recently her mom passed away from brain cancer and how her dad had like abused her when she was little. 
and how she's trying to be an actor and a model, but, you know, just can't afford it. And she's about to get evicted. And, um, you know, she's telling me all of this. And then the last thing that she says, uh, she turned to looks at me and she was like, do you like believe that there's a God? Um, and I'm like, holy cow, you know, yeah, where did like, this come from? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just like yeah. so many things, um, to then ask, uh, that question is, right. is a lot. And yeah. so I thought about it, uh, for a second and, um, and I processed it and then, and then I answered and I, you know, I told her personally, like, like, yeah, I do. And I began to explain like why scientifically I feel like we've uh, proven that there are correlations that directly tie to the existence of God. And then I began to explain like spiritually why there's things that have happened in my life that I just can't define or describe. And anyway, 11 o'clock at night turns into midnight and then 1 a.m. and then 2 a.m. and then 3 a.m. and then 4 a.m. before you know it, the sun's rising. And at that point, like she's crying and I'm crying. And uh, I was like, hey, like, do you um, care if I pray with you real quick? And she's like, yeah, of course. And so I prayed with her for a little bit. And, um, you know, I was basically just like, as dark as this season appears to be in your life, like, I need you to know, like, there's going to be a light. You just have to stay with it. And so anyway, I gave her a hug and like, that was it. And as uh, I'm getting out of the car, walking across the street, she's driving off. And as she was driving off, I just like felt like I couldn't let her go without asking her a question. And so uh, as dramatic as you can imagine, I like run after her car (laughs) and I run up and I like knock on her window and I'm like, hey, I hate to run after you, but I just don't think I can let you go without asking you a question. And she's like, yeah, of course, like, what is it? And I said, you know, I know it's personal. So if you don't want to answer, like, please don't feel like you have to. But out of curiosity, um, you know, like, when was it that your mom passed away from brain cancer? And she said, like, October 16th. And I was like, dang. Wow. And and, and I started to cry. And um, I told her, I was like, what I need you to know is that on October 16th, uh, when your mom passed away, my life was perfect. And I felt with an overwhelming clarity that I was supposed to leave my friends, leave my family, leave my business, leave everything I've ever known to go somewhere I've never been for someone that I've never met. And I was like, I didn't realize that until like just now. And you know, you may not think that God's real, but for the last six months since your mom left this earth, he has been literally sending me on a rescue mission, quite literally around the world, uh, to find you for this moment to say he loves you so much. And she starts bawling. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, I got chills over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, she, um, <laughs> crazy thing is that she starts bawling and she's like, I need you to know is that if we hadn't met, I had planned to um, take my life this morning. And I was oh like, gosh. yeah, right. I was like, Dang. yeah, you were, you were supposed to be there and be that light for her. It sounds like. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. And yeah, it really is. And you know, like it, it's, it's wild to think. So, you know, that story for me, particularly, I, I have five other people that I've impacted in that way. Um, different stories throughout my life. And it's always, you know, it's always encouraging to see the people that you can directly impact, right? Like I know that my life and I I was a light to her and I got to experience that shift, that seismic shift 
in her story because of my story. Um, but I didn't always get choked up, but what gets me most excited is, um, it's like that idea of like the people I'll never see, right? Like the faces I'll never know, uh, the names I'll never know, the, the people I'll never touch, like all those ideas of everyone that I've come to impact that I'll never see or hear or know of is what gets me most excited. Um, because the day that I live for it, obviously I'm faith-based, but like, you know, I hope that one day like I die and I go to heaven and I'm having a conversation with Jesus, how we're talking. And, you know, I, I hope he's just like, says, you know, Blaine, like turn around. And, and I hope that like I turn around and that I just see like an ocean of people, right? Just like people beyond my eye could see. And to hear him be like, do you see like everyone out there in the crowd? They know me a little bit more because of the life that you lived, right? Like that for me is what I truthfully mean when I say be a light is, and it be a reflection of love. What I'm saying is really just be a reflection of who Jesus is. Um, that's what I feel like everyone's purpose is. But if you don't believe in Jesus or God, like that's fine. Cause like love is the epitome of who he is. And so, you know, you can still reflect that even if you don't agree with that. Um, but that is the guiding principle for me, my life, my story, our businesses, um, and every decision that I make. So that is the story that I think he's referring to. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was amazing. I'm, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> but that, yeah. you know, it's a story of like taking risk and you said being a light to others. And I think a lot of people, you know, like you were saying, they're afraid to step outside of the box. We all think that we have to fit in these certain molds and boxes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what you were saying, being from, small town indiana and wanting to do something different than everybody else was doing and you know that's mm-hmm. just a really inspiring story honestly um so thank you for sharing yeah of course absolutely I, yeah i'm i'm curious you know you have who's creative right that's yes. mm-hmm. what you founded so how does you know your purpose align with what you're doing you know with Foos Creative with your videography yeah so it's funny um like currently the way that we have it structured so there's Foos Video Weddings which is our wedding video business which is a team we have Foos Video Productions which is a team and then we have Foos Creative which is another team um and three years ago at the peak of it um there are my three businesses which are those three and then there's One Life, which is my nonprofit. And those are gotcha. my entities, if you will. Um, but, and this is just like a, a whole nother side discussion that led me to, you know, like how, what we do now and how it's structured. But um, I never enjoyed soccer. Like that, I don't, I don't like soccer. Like I was good at it, but I don't like soccer. Right. It was just one of those things when you were little, like you said, you... They told you you can never join a team, and then you're like, "Watch me." <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Like it, it, it is simply a platform, right? I'm like, I'm not. It is nothing more than a platform for me. Um, ironically, similar, similarly, is video. Um, I don't like video. I don't enjoy making video. Um, I just storytelling is a characteristic that comes naturally to me, and and so I'm good at articulating videos. 
Um, but I don't like doing video. I didn't like doing soccer. I didn't like, I don't like doing video. Um, yeah, which is something I don't think we're told or we speak on often. Which right. I didn't like, think you'd be like, I don't like doing it. <laughs> yeah. Staying now, but you know. Yeah. Well, and that's why I say, like, I don't think you have to. And I think um, we have created this fixation around love what you do. Uh, right. Like, love what you do. Like, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and I struggle with that idea because I've never personally experienced it. Right. Like, uh, if people ask me, like, what are you passionate about? It's not a thing. It's nothing material. Like, I, I, I'm not passionate about coffee. I drink a lot of coffee. I'm not passionate about it. Um, right. I, I play soccer. I'm not passionate about soccer. I do video. I'm not passionate about video. But if you were to ask me, like, what is my passion? What I'm deeply passionate about is fulfilling my purpose, right? I'm deeply passionate about being a light. And when that is your, 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 uh, when that is like basically your guiding determination, your life looks drastically different to, to someone whose passion is tied into their platform. You know, something I've come to say is that when your, when your passion or your purpose is directly tied to your platform, you'll limit your ability to ever grow beyond that platform, right? Like your platform, if your identity is tied in your platform, your platform will limit your ability to exceed beyond it. Um, and you can see that in a financial uh, explanation as well. I want to make $100,000. Okay, once you get there, there's a new ceiling. I want to make a million dollars. Okay, now I want to make 10 million, right? There's never an end to this idea. And and so anyway, that's when I think we look at people who have a huge career shift or maybe they're in a life crisis of I don't know what I'm supposed to do. It's because most often their identity has been tied directly to their platform, to their job, to the things that they yeah. think they like to do. Um, where I have, you know, directly tied my identity to my purpose, right? Is my identity is directly rooted into impacting people, to be in a light. And I don't know what that number looks like. I don't know if it's a million people. I don't know if it's three. But the way I live my life is like, I just want to make sure that if, you know, God or is putting someone in front of me that I'm equipped to be what I need to be to that person. We'll work. We are a company, but that is not our motive. And even when we get into onboarding, you know, meetings with clients, you know, we say, hey, here's what we do. And then the next one after who we are is our expectations. And, you know, we clearly lay out to all of our clients, yeah, we're a business, but we will never offer you anything that we don't think will help you impact the people that you need to impact. And so we could offer you a website, but you may not need a website and we can make more money, but we're, that, we're, not, in the, we're not in the business of making money. Mm-hmm. Like our currency is people. And I like that. It's, it's true, you know, and it's not like a mission statement. It's like right. my, my bank is like when I, go, when I go to heaven and the amount of people that have been impacted because of the work we've done. Like that is the value of which I define success. Right. Think- it's not really going to matter how much money you have whenever, you know, your time comes to pass away. You know, what is left is the impact that you made on the people on this earth. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and it's like that, that is like our driving force, you know, and like that, that helps 
define and discern a lot of uncertainty that may come up, right? If someone's like, you know, what should we do or what direction should we take or what, you know, effort should we push forth? Our determining, you know, question is really based around, you know, like, do we think we could be a light? Uh, and if we can't, then we won't. And if we can, then we will. Is on being a light to people around you. Doors will open and people will seek you out, right? Like yeah. my, my life is a testament of, I have no motive. I don't, I never was like, oh, I want to work with Adidas or I want to work with these artists or I want to do these projects. That was never a goal for me. The goal is people. And when people can so clearly see your heart, they will seek you out because they know you're exactly what's needed, right? And, mm -hmm. and so that is like in my best way of articulating it, mm -hmm. what all of our companies are all about. Uh, you know, at the center of what we do, it, our hope is to be a light. I hope mm -hmm. I answered that question. Yeah, you, de you definitely did. You answered a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, no, that I... I love that, you know, being a light and how you said, you know, your currency is people. What advice would you give to someone that wants to pursue a career in videography? I know you said, you know, your path was you started very young and you obviously didn't think maybe you didn't think you'd be where you are now. But what would your advice be to someone that? wants to pursue a career and not i'll say for video and then for any career i think for okay. for any career uh be mindful of what you're naturally good at like what skill sets embody who you are effortlessly if you're naturally patient or you're naturally determined or you're naturally understanding like pay attention to what you're naturally good at because it echoes throughout your life in ways that you can never imagine because that's what you're designed to do. And I think often video aside, but any career, people focus on the numerical value or the nuances of what this career may uphold that they find value in. But what they don't understand or what they don't look for is what am I good at and what platforms align with that? Because if you take your characteristics that you thrive with that is just you and you find a platform that needs you that combination will cause you to thrive beyond measure in ways that you cannot imagine and so i love going to colleges and high schools and speaking to you know young individuals and i hopefully would instill this idea that before you look at a title or a position or an idea of where you want to be or what job you want to have, ask yourself where you're good at, like what it comes natural to you, because that's going to provide clarity in a major that maybe you shouldn't be involved with. Like I know you're studying economics, but really like you need to be, you know, here. And I know you think you need to study math, but really you're, what you're naturally good at doesn't align with that. And again, the clarity is instilled once you understand your purpose. If mm -hmm. you really believe that you are created to be a reflection of love, it, you wake up and tomorrow what is top of the mind is I'm going to be a light to someone. I don't know if it's at the coffee shop to the barista when I get a cup of coffee, 
I don't know if it's to the person I'm emailing. I don't know if it's to the stranger that I'm walking past. But at the end of the day, I need to be a light to someone. And if I'm not being a light to someone daily, then I'm preparing to be a light to someone tomorrow, right? And if you look at life through that lens, you don't look at a job or a career as a way to survive, but as a platform to pursue your purpose. And when that shift happens, you will become the best version of yourself. You will become fully alive and you will step into doors that you didn't even know uh, you had the strength to open, right? Mm -hmm. But too often, you people, I won't say you, people mm -hmm. don't look at it in that manner, right? They look mm -hmm. for the job to survive, but they don't look for a platform where their characteristics will naturally thrive in. And if that is video, you know, if video is the platform that you think you can be a light to the most people in, mm -hmm. then go all in, right? With any platform, be the best version of yourself. You know, don't worry about being seen or being heard. If you work hard, if you care about the people around you, you will be sought after. You know, I think some things that I've seen happen that hurt my heart are seeing my friends who are madly talented, but social climb to get to a level that they want to be in. But their heart is focused on material gain, uh, right. societal views, and it reflects in their decisions. The way that yeah. they post on Instagram, the groups that they hang out with, the clothes they wear you know, they're focused and centralized around being seen, being heard in this world. And, yeah. you know, and it hurts because some of them have made madly successful careers. They've, they work among the greatest artists in the world for the biggest brands in the world and they did it, but they did it at the expense of people around them. And, right. And they don't feel necessarily fulfilled. They've gotten to the top and now they're just kind of like, okay, what now? My buddy, he was a videographer, wanted to be in those rooms. And I yeah. remember he told me a story a couple of years ago where he pursued the video career. He rose rather quickly and he got to uh, Dan Bilzerian's Halloween party. I don't know if you know Dan Bilzerian, but he was at Dan's Halloween party and all the celebrities were there, models were there. And he he recalled looking across the room and he made eye contact with the model. And he said, in that moment when I was looking at her, I realized I saw an emptiness in her that I saw in myself. And he's wow. like, what I realized for the first time in my life is that I was not supposed to be there. And he quit his career, left LA, moved to the Midwest, has a normal job now. And he was telling me this over dinner one night. And I told him, I was like, you know what? I think sometimes God will allow you to walk into the room that you think you're supposed to be in just to reveal to you that you were never supposed to be there to begin with, that you were never supposed to be there at all. And I wonder what good, you know, again, for me, I've, what good God's trying to usher into the world that because of our own limitations or our own desires or our own wishes, doesn't come into fruition through us because we were pursuing the wrong idea. Mm -hmm. And so from a career standpoint, I think too many people are pursuing the wrong idea. 
I think they need to focus in on what they're good at and how they can be a light to the most people. And in that pursuit, they'll find the platform that they're supposed to be in. And it may be video or it may not. And But most people pursue video because it's cool, uh, which is mm-hmm. fun. But mm-hmm. I'll, I'll end yeah. on this. Your platform can differ. Your job can change. But your purpose never will. Right. I, 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 I don't want to say I get exhausted. I don't get exhausted, but I get frustrated when people are like, I don't know why my, what my purpose is. I'm like, I, I know your purpose, right? Like your purpose is to be a light. I believe that. Um, and if we keep asking the wrong question, we'll never get the right answer. If we keep asking what's our purpose, we'll never realize that the question we should be asking is not what our purpose is, but what is our platform, right? And again, that lens will create a seismic shift in the life of anyone who pursues to look through that lens, in my opinion. Yeah. So, No, I feel like that's all stuff that I needed to hear too. And I'm sure a lot of listeners like would be, you know, open to as well. You know, I graduated college almost a year ago and I thought the thing, the next step was to, you know, get that nine to five job, get some money, you know, and I was looking at like societal expectations, what my family wanted me to do. And I just, the first job that was offered to me, I I took it and mm-hmm. never really like sat with myself and was like, is this actually what I want? You know what I mean? And now I feel like I'm at a point where I know there's like something like bigger for me. And so I definitely am like trying to make moves and make that next step. And, you know, I started my podcast because I've always loved storytelling. And I just felt like I was also missing that aspect in my life as well that I had with journalism. So I just think it's inspiring to hear everything that you said. And obviously, you know, success can mean so many different things to so many people. And so, you know, you kind of touched on it a little bit on what success means to you, but you want to touch on that a little more because I feel like that's just such a um, like a huge topic right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely think you know uh, not to echo what I've I've hit on you know previously, but like simplistically said, you know the way I view success is that idea of like did you reach everyone that has been placed in front of you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that is like an auditing mindset is like the biggest failure I feel like in your life is to reach the place of your potential to miss your purpose. Um, and what I mean by that is like get to the job that you are created to be in. Mm-hmm. But when you don't realize that your purpose is to be a light, you may miss that moment that you are really only purpose for you to be there. Reason for you to be there is to be a light to your coworker. Right. So you reach yeah. the place of your highest potential, but you missed your purpose because you didn't realize why you were there. True. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah. you may you may not like your job or you may not like your school or you may not like where you're at, but where you're at may be exactly where you're supposed to be if you realize your your, yeah. your purpose is to be a light to the person in front of you. That was the back of my phone case for so long. It said you are exactly where you need to be. Because I always, I truly believe that I do. Because like for me, I was like, oh, I don't really want to stay like in St. Augustine. Like, I feel like I need to be somewhere else. But I was like, no, like you're exactly where you need to be. And then, you know, I thought about, you know, I'm I'm here for, you know, because I got closer to this person. You know, we deepened our relationship or, oh, I got to experience these things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. if I had gone somewhere else, like that wouldn't have happened. And so 
yeah, I'm a firm believer and you are exactly where you need to be for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what, you know, like going on it, right? Like even if you're in the place you're supposed to be, then go a step further and realize you, you need to impact the people where you're at, you know, like, mm-hmm. and don't miss that because, and that's like that idea of being a reflection of love is, you know, again, I'll go back on that, being in the place of your potential. Like you're supposed to be in St. Augustine. You're supposed to be at Flag. You're supposed to be in that major, but like, did you impact everyone that was placed in front of you? Right. Right. And and it's fine if you didn't, because I feel like God will send someone else. But, you know, like I said earlier, like I don't want God to send someone to do my job. Like he created me. And I feel like there, you know, again, if maybe it's a hundred people, like that's the quantity of people that over the course of my lifetime I'm supposed to be a light to. How I define success is are you being a light to the people that are put in front of you? Right. And if you're not, are you preparing to be a light to them? Like that is that moment because when i talk about you know entering heaven like i don't i don't live this life because i want to go to heaven like i for me like you know have pursued this these ideas of religion i've pursued these ideas of theology and what they mean and i always come back to the idea of who jesus was and i'm fascinated with the idea that this guy that you know even if you don't think he's god revolutionized human history like it's just a wild thought to think of and to go a step further to be like, wow, like I devoted my life personally to reflect the characteristics of who this man was on earth, right? And I don't do it with this idea, I want to go to heaven, right? And I think a lot of, if you're Christian or Catholic or Luther, whatever, you know, even Islam, like Buddhists, you have this idea of this afterlife and you live uh, your life here to then obtain this afterlife that's not, that's not for me what, that's not what it's about. Like if you live a life that's like 51% good and 49% like, eh, right. Oh, I go to heaven. I made it. I don't care about that. Like what I care going back on the moment I told you is like, I lived for the day that I go and like I'm in front of him. And he says like, these are all the people that you impacted. Right. And the thing that motivates me from a fearful sense is this other idea of him being like, now look over here. You see this group of people. These were the people that I wanted you to reach, but because you made decisions for your own desires, like I had to send someone else. Like because you went to the party instead of staying in and learning how to do this video technique that would then get you this job in 10 years, right? Yeah. I had to send a different videographer or because wow. I didn't want to say hello to the barista at the coffee shop, I had to send someone else. And it's like, dang. I and again, that's where like success for me is like I I want to reach everyone that God created me to reach. And I don't want to be the reason that he had to send someone else. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like when I make decisions, it's like that is my my do north. That is my guiding compass. Like, am I making decisions to get me closer to that person? And then if I get in front of that person, do I have the courage to be a light? Like, uh, picture this. If everyone tomorrow woke up and in their heart, they believed what we've talked about today, that their purpose for life, the existence of them is solely centralized around being a reflection of love. The world would look entirely different. You know, a couple of years ago, I got asked this, this question of um, what do I think the greatest problem the world faces is? And thinking about it, I was like, is it world hunger? Like, that's a serious problem. Is it justice for all? Like, that's a serious problem. Poverty, like, what, what could it be? 
And ultimately what I realized was that all of those things are side effects of the direct problem because none of those problems, I flipped it. And so what's the big greatest problem in the world? I had to ask myself, well, what is the greatest solution? And if I find the greatest solution, in turn, I'll be able to discover what the greatest problem is. And I think in my heart that the greatest solution humanity could ever experience is if you and I and everyone in this world, on this earth, woke up tomorrow and knew what their purpose was, that the world would be heaven on earth, right? I believe that. I believe that justice and inequality and world hunger and all these things are really side effects of the root issue, which is is us. And, and the problem is an identity crisis, us not knowing our purpose. That is the greatest problem humanity is experiencing is that we do not know why we are here going on that you know when we talk about success inevitably it is that moment right that a moment of being a reflection of love every day consistently to every person that you're put in front of not money not the cars not the you know all that like none of like those things are of any importance yeah none of those external things are ever going to satisfy you like i definitely think it's all internal and i think once you start to like once you know yourself and you find your purpose like you were saying then you'll start attracting those experiences into your life it'll attract those people right like i just want to make sure that i i have lived my life in the way that it was intended to live and i reached the people i was created to reach and if you do that you know and i don't know if again if it's three people or three million i don't know but if you live your life with that mindset you have led a successful life. And that is how I define success. Well, is there anything else that you want to add? I feel like that was a great conversation. You touched on a lot. I love the direction that it went into, you know, not what I was expecting, but I love that when I go into, you know, interviewing someone and they just take the conversation in a whole new direction. So I love that. And, you know, super inspiring to hear your story the Within Ourselves podcast. And I feel like you touched a lot on, you know, what's within yourself. So I think it, it was perfect. <laughs> awesome. No, awesome. No, I'm excited. Yeah. I, uh, obviously do with it, what you wish, cut it up how you want. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited. I appreciate you having me on. For those that want to get in contact with you or want to see your work, where is the best place that they can reach you? Just just Instagram. Yeah, that's Instagram. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. First name, last name. Uh, would probably be the best. And so I guess gotcha. Tag it. Blaine Foose. Uh, B l a i n e f u h s. That'd be. Got to get that plug in there. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Awesome. Well, hey, appreciate you again so much. This has been. Uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Blaine. This was so great. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your story so no all good all good keep it going too i'm excited to see what uh, other people we have on the show hopefully yes yes that's the goal so <laughs>